seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son who was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he didn't do. Innocent, and he went to prison, had nothing to do with the crime, didn't know anything about it, but he went to prison. And so we come here on Fridays because uh, we want you to know that wrongful, a wrongful conviction can happen to anyone at any time. And so um, uh, we want to educate you about um, wrongful convictions and justice as a whole. And so thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who are watching on YouTube and Twitter. I'd be forgetting about you guys, but thank you for joining us. We greatly appreciate you. And um, we're going to get on with the show. So today we have an awesome um, show. Um, it's called, the topic of today's show is about good time, why good time makes good sense. And Michigan is one of um, six states that has no policy for good time or earn time credits. So I have the uh, awesome lineup today, Miss. Kimberly Woodson, and also Elder Leslie. I'm, I'm just having a full circle moment because Elder Leslie reached out to me um, in the beginning when I first started writing about Gerard and I was using my platform as a daily diary almost to deal with the pain and uh, everything I was feeling about him being wrongfully convicted. So I'm so um, glad and honored that she's here today. But we're going to bring on our, uh, well, Revitia, hold on a second. Hey, Revitia. Well, good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. I am so excited to be here, Jay. This is a powerful time, powerful time for, like I said, for women. Um, and our guests are coming. These are power-packed women who are not only talking the talk, they're walking it. They are demonstrating what it takes to be at the forefront of change. And I'm so glad to be here because, you know, it, this is a part of my mission, you know, when you when I think about it. Um, I am the founder of The Choice Zone and I help people get into, get into their own zone because sometimes we follow everybody else's and culturally, I know we've been following narratives and and in, in not allowing ourselves to take our power and really make decisions that are for our well-being, for not only ourselves, but our community. And so I believe in justice. I believe in social justice. I sit on boards and platforms and just got finished with a meeting last night on the Michigan um, Racial Inequity Task Force. So, yes, this is important. It's not, it's not a figment of my imagination. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> and you know what? It is, the beauty of it is that the time is now for the change. Yeah. The beauty 
is that we have answers and solutions. Yes. Yeah. And that's our expectation. Yes. And, and the cool thing about it, if we can see change, it can happen. But first it starts with us. We have to be able to see it in order to activate the change. So I'm so glad for this conversation. I see, um, hold on. Hi, Attorney Hugo Mack. Much love and respect. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How about yourself? Pretty good. I got my earbuds in, so hopefully no echo or nothing like that, right? (laughs) You fixed that last week, Attorney Hugo Mack. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, so yes. Well, Hugo Mack is my name. Let me give a little bit of shameless self-promotion before we get into substance right here, you know. (laughs) Hugo Mack, criminal defense attorney, uh, civil rights activist extraordinaire, um, Ivy's youngest and prettiest son. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Eagle Scout. And you know, yeah. Jay Love, I'm going to tell you this. If you or anybody else on the panel find yourself on Trouble Boulevard, fitting to be towed, park <laughs> your car on Mac Street if you I want know. to get some help. <laughs> and so, and, and I'm going to say one more thing on, on, on a shameless self-promotion. Okay. Any of y'all, if, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, this simple verse will help you. hmaclaw.com 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 i promise you a restful sleep yes now that that we finish that let me say this i'm so honored to be here this evening because particularly this topic i'm sure all of you have been following the confirmation hearings involving uh uh you know uh judge uh uh, jackson brown or brown jackson excuse me Mm -hmm. um and I'm sure you have all seen how they have attacked her saying she is soft on crime, okay? Mm-hmm. They, they cherry pick cases like uh, some sexual abuse cases or uh, when she was a federal public defender arguing on behalf of the detainees at Guantanamo Bay to try and slander her character, okay? Mm-hmm. Slander her character. And I think this discussion is so important today because they are trying to send a message, not only to future Supreme Court justice nominees, but to every judge in the United States of America, that Mm -hmm. this thing about let them out early, give them a break, give them a second chance, we're not going for none of that, none of that. And if we catch you and get a chance to expose you and lie and slander on you for giving person a chance to realize their humanity, as opposed to what former Governor John Engler said, stack them like cordwood. Now think about that, Saints. Mm. Think about that. Think about that. This man talked about other human beings. I would stack them like cordwood, okay? He isn't even reducing them to animals like a a monkey or a squirrel or a giraffe. He Mm. is reducing them to a totally inanimate, lifeless object like you could put them in a warehouse. So I'm so glad for the topic tonight. I'm looking forward to participate in it. But this is a warning to all of us what is happening to that black woman and that confirmation for Supreme Court judge. And you just reminded me, when they show you who they are, believe them. We want to kill people passes. And, and they're, they really shown us who they are. Yeah. So we need to do what we need to do on our end. Right. to, you know, fight and stand up for justice. That's right. Stand up, you know, that's our job. So thank you, Attorney Hugo Mack. I'm so glad you're here. Amen. Glad to be here. 
Yes. So now we're going to bring on Elder Leslie. Hi, Elder Leslie. How are you? I am well, J-Love. I am well. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so happy to see you in the in person. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to be seen. Yes. So introduce yourself and tell everybody um, what you do. Okay, so my name is um, Elder Leslie. Uh, I am the director of uh, Transformative Justice at Michigan United, as well as um, the director of Faith and Justice. I've been with that organization a little over, um, I would say probably a little over nine years, probably close to 10. Mm -hmm. um, my introduction to the or organization was actually immigration because uh, I had a son that I self-adopted who had stayed with me 17 years. He was from Senegal, West Africa. His name was Michelle Mindy. And he actually was shot, almost murdered. And they were not, when he was in the hospital, they weren't worried about, you know, um, whether he was going to live or who did it. They were more so worried about his immigration status. So long story short, um, he ended up, because of that incident, um being deported being deported and um it struck me right down into the very core of my heart it hurt me deeply and um i had that aha moment mm -hmm. one of those moments that make you say you know what i'm not gonna no longer sit here but i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna do something so after i got off the floor from crying because he was a real member of my family Mm -hmm. I said, you know what, God, I said, we get ready to turn this thing around. And unfortunately, um, after this deportation, because of the injuries, he he, he succumbed to death about five years later. Mm -hmm. um, but just that act in itself was enough to 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 get me up mm -hmm. and to get me back, you know, in that place uh, with that prophetic voice to begin to cry out, you know, in the wilderness to begin to get the attention, you know, of the people of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm also outreach director over at Triumphant Life Christian Church. So I've, I've been doing this work all my life, but specifically this work for the past nine, you know, 10 years. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah, that's, you're awesome. I read your bio. I'm like, wow, Elder Leslie, she's awesome. But Elder Leslie, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you because when I was, and I said this earlier before we started, when I was just starting out and I decided to use my platform to help me deal with what was going on with Gerard, uh, you were one of the first people that reached out to me and prayed for me. And I just want to thank you for that. You know, I really appreciate you. You know, Jay Love, let me just say this. Ministry is real. Whether people want to believe that or not. People say what they want to say about the church. I look at Facebook and when I see people and I think they're struggling, I'm going to call you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in touch with you because, yeah, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. And so, you know, I thank God for, for that day, you know, just reading what you were going through and, and having empathy in my heart, you know, to help to try to help you carry some of that, because I'm telling you, Every time I read something about Gerard, I was just like, Lord, we got to get him out of there. That's no place for him to be. 
Mm-hmm. That's all I must. I appreciate you. You just don't know, you know, when you're going through this and, you know, it's so much chatter, you know, and first part of the chatter is people having a hard time even believing the story. Yeah. So now you have to d- deal with all of that. And so I just appreciate though um, you and everything that you're doing. So thank you so much. We're going to bring in Miss Kimberly Woodson. Hello, Kim. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Oh, Kim, introduce yourself, first off. Okay, well, <laughs> I am the founder and director of Redeeming Kimberly. I am also the campaign organizer for Restoring Good Sign Credits Back to MDOC for Michigan Liberation. I am a core member of Michigan uh, Good Time Initiative with Elder Leslie, my wonderful leader in this uh, initiative, uh, uh, my mentor. Wow. I am a former juvenile lifer who served almost 30 years incarcerated. I am a mom and I am an advocate fighter for to be a voice for all of those who I feel are voiceless incarcerated in Michigan Department of Correction. I will not stop until they are serving dignified time that really heal them and not warehouse them. Like he said, he will house them like planks. Well, he's almost gotten his wish. Yeah, I know, Kim, the last time I saw you was at um, Huron Valley. And we were there advocating for the women and your story was so moving. Um, I I was ready to walk around that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> um, Kim, tell me uh, about the good time. Um, how did you um, get on this? And a little bit about your story. First, let's just tell us a little bit about you know your First story. Of all, when I was incarcerated in '88. Although they had good time options because I had letters, I didn't receive good time notices. So I really had no knowledge or didn't even really care during the 29 years of incarceration what good time was. I didn't care that when they took it away. However, I did notice a shift in my atmosphere Mm -hmm. when I began to see more suicide packs. And I could not understand. I had been locked up like over 15 years and these young ladies start killing themselves. And I'm like, why is she doing five years and she's willing to die and not walk down five years? I then began to understand what they did with truth and sentences was take away hope. If I don't believe I have it in me to face a year in prison, Five years is unbearable. So if I can't face this, then I would rather die than face something I feel in my heart and soul I can't do. So what would make a person want to end everything? No hope. And that's what truth and sentencing has done in a nutshell. There's no way around it. The program has ceased. It's like the morale. If you just want me to sit there for the 80% of my front. And so I'm two years within my earliest release date to start offering me 
really did a programming, something that I can work on self-programming, mm-hmm. you can't get into those programs unless you have your earliest release date. So say, for instance, I have been locked up 10 years. I'm waiting to get in the self-program that I think will help me. It might be beyond violence or something, but I really can't get in that because I have letters. But everybody else goes before me, no matter if they just came in and I've been waiting. It's a it's a playing game. And good time will knock that playing level free and it will allow people, whether they have letters or numbers, to be able to work on a self, their individual self. I don't really care about somebody being coming home a day early because trust me, it's going to take a lot of work. And if the residents feel like, oh, if I take this program, I'm going to be able to get out. It's not going to work that way. The trick of the matter is if I'm invested in this program or I invest into it, the more it invests into me, the more it deeps down into my spirit. And one thing I know about the God that I serve, once you dig into something, he gets a hold of you and he don't let go. And most of the programming in prison is designed by some spiritual aspect of redemption, like Mm -hmm. change in the behavior. You have to believe in behavior modification in some form in order to believe in the imprisonment state. And so good time makes it be humane. Mm -hmm. It makes them have an opportunity to control their own destiny. It allows them to be human and say, if I take this program, not only would it help me, and if I get a good report, they write a report and I might get two days off. But I spent six months in this program and I invested in me. And right. guess what? What I've gotten out of it, whether I realize it now at that moment, nobody can take away. Whether I lose those two days or never get them. Mm-hmm. I still have invested in myself. That's right. what's important about good time to me. Right. So I have this chart and you were talking about like in 85 and I, if you got, anybody can jump in. Um, I think I had this chart when we had some, um, some other people on the about chart. the good time. So there at one time there was a good time. And then they went to proposal B, and then some kind proposal B was kind of like a, a lesser version because at one point in time they used to have the ninety day step ups, and so they took that away, and so then they tried to come up with something new. I fell up under proposal B myself, and it was like a grid that where they calculated so many t- times of of days. Off each month, if I got clear conduct, it was like two days, three days off of that month if I was clear. But if I messed up, I didn't get any days. If mm-hmm. I lost it, I didn't get any days. So everything that I've earned, they can be taken away. People don't understand. You can't just get good time and collect it up and then, oh, this person is going to come home five years early. No, they got to keep clear conduct. They got, got to keep investing in themselves because at the stroke of a pen, everything they've earned can be taken away. Right. And then that's when they had the credits. Mm-hmm. And then at the 2000, they had nothing. 
Pretty much nothing. Your warehouse and what's so sad about truth and sentencing is that they lied and said it would get rid of the parole board so that people can do flat time and then be released. That is not the case. The parole board is very active now. And you're also doing 125% of your time, which means if you got 10 to 20, you're doing 12. Two years more, that's two years more that your taxpayers is paying extra. There's two years more that they have health care. So I have, if they have any kind of medical issues, those bills are astronomical on the taxpayers. All of those things are equated into that person. And not to mention, we are already footing the bill of over 30 something thousand dollars per residence that we house inside of that corrupt system. I'm sorry, I'm going to let somebody else talk. I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'll pass the mic to somebody else. As you can see, I'm very passionate about this. And it ain't just because I was there. It's because I know there are so many Kimberleys. I'm doing this in memory of Miss Ollie Fulham. She was my prison grandmother. I love her. She didn't make it. But I'm trying to make sure all of the people that she might have inspired through me and her mentorship in raising me in prison, all those babies can come on and inspire the next generation. Exactly. Let's heal our community one return <laughs> at a time. Right. Can, I, can I say this, Jayla? Yes, go ahead, jump in. Having experienced the Department of Corrections for a decade, actually 12 years myself, there's another aspect to disciplinary credits and good time that the opponents of disciplinary credit and good time don't understand. Awarding good time and disciplinary credits is also an institutional security tool, a safety tool for the management of inmates and staff safety. Because I'm telling you right now, I could talk to you for five hours on the instances I remember firsthand where because of the existence of disciplinary credits in the time frame that I was there, people that went in when I went, that saved many, many, many a guard from having their head busted open with a lock. And I'm just being for real with you. It saved many an inmate from being assaulted. It saved people from being hurt or even killed because people did not want to risk the chance to be released earlier, you know, than what their uh, statutory time was, okay? Because like the sister just said, when you remove hope from people, you give them no incentive to want to improve and to go forward. So especially somebody with a long sentence, I mean a long sentence or, or letters or something like that, when you remove hope from them, what are, you, what are you telling them? You're telling them that you or we as a society are prepared for you to die in here, okay? We're prepared for you to die in here. And I'm telling you, when you tell a man or woman behind bars whether they deserve to be there or not, okay? Let's just say everybody deserved to be there, okay? Everybody deserved to be there. They are there not for a death sentence, all right? There is no quote-unquote death penalty in the state of Michigan. There's death penalty in the federal government, but in the state of Michigan. So even a person that is given life without parole, there is still hope with a governor's commutation. There is still hope. 
But I'm telling you for the rank and file inmate of which I was a member of, that 85% that is going to get out, those are the people you do not want to eliminate hope from. As I said, it is a threat to institutional security for the guards and the wardens, everybody there. It's a threat to other inmates. And you retard, for lack of a better word, that person's ability to build towards a future. You mm -hmm. retard that because you don't give them knowing, look, if I keep my nose clean for this month, I'm going to get five to seven days, what have you, cut off my time. Look, I had my calendar. For every month I avoided when somebody wanted to mess with me or some guard was nasty to me and I bit my tongue, I was marking my days off on my calendar. Okay, so that gave me hope, okay, to uh, to continue on. So um, hopefully somebody that's a conservative or right-wing or whatever will hear this video, uh, this recording, because you are putting staff in danger. If you don't care a damn about the inmates, think about the staff you're putting in danger when you remove hope from people's future. Mm -hmm. Elder Leslie. I agree with what with um exactly with what I'm hearing. Yes, you do put uh, staff in danger. Michigan is severely understaffed in the correctional departments, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just go back and I just think about how much money we're spending in corrections. Our budget is practically 20%. The uh, MDOC's budget is practically 20, a little over 20% of the total state budget. And so I say, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? I think that we let the Democrats off too easy with this because the Republicans have been more willing to move to me as far as far as I can see in the conversations that I've had. But the Democrats, to me, are not moving the way that I think that they should move. I was uh, sharing with them a couple of days ago. As big as California is, you can actually set Michigan inside of California. But yet Michigan has more correction facilities than California. When I think about how I want my money spent, and maybe even how you want your money spent, I would much rather spend my money on the front end, educating children, rather than sending money into a correctional facility. I'm, I'm thinking about root causes. So let me, let me start here. For a 12-year education, it is roughly going to be around $100,000 to house a person in the Michigan Department of Corrections for 12 years, the same 12 years, we're looking at practically a half a million dollars. How does that make sense? What are we doing? We're talking about putting somebody away for correction, but then the correction never happens. Rehabilitation and a person being able to be given all of the tools that they need to change their life, that should happen the first day that they get in prison, that, that, that they're locked up. We don't deal with the root causes of why are people being locked up in the first place. I have a young man right now, and he's not really a young man, but his it, it haunts me that his story is, is on my desk because he was 15 years old, he was troubled. He was a troubled youth. 
he shot he shot at a person the bullet ricocheted he got and the person got shot in the foot right now that he was 15 years old right now today he's right around 55 55 40 years this this gentleman has spent incarcerated and he has not murdered anybody the judge did not like him. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to give you a hundred years. A hundred years. Nobody died. It wasn't a drive-by. It was a fight in a bowling alley. A hundred years. And every time he went to appeal it, they took 10 years off. So now he has 75 years. Everybody that meant anything to him, they're dead and gone. He has no family. So who speaks up for him? Who speaks up for those other ones? 95% of all of the prisoners that's in, in, in Michigan's Department of Corrections, it is rooted in either drug abuse or in mental illness. But none of that gets treated. None of that gets treated. So I'm really just trying to make sense of why is all of this happening? And I keep saying to people, we need to follow the money because, I, you know, it sounds bad and it is bad. But something don't smell right in Denmark. Somebody's making money off of these bodies that's in these prisons and nobody is talking about that. Because we get good time pass, it's going to upset some folk because we're going to take some of that cha-ching out of their pocket. So we need to wake up. We need to wake up because I tell you what, I tell you what, if we were to break the system of uh, prison gerrymandering, I bet they stopped sending folks to prison. Mm -hmm. I bet they would. Every dollar, every, every every person has a social security number that leaves the county of Wayne and goes into another county. That money from the census follows them. That community gets that money. Not mm -hmm. Wayne County. Right. So they're extracting not only people, but they're also extracting money attached to that person. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they're destroying a community over here because we are separating families. And creating more of a family life over there. Because it has been said as, as people come in, they're laughing like, yeah, you know, your son going to be here too. And when your son get here, I'm going to get a new boat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you know that you um, said, um, you mentioned a gerrymandering. The CEO of Rand County has been talking about that too and talking about how the money um, people are going leaving Wayne County and they may be way up north and that money is way up north but when they come home there's no funds for them to um, for programming or things that they need um, to get back on their feet because all the money is up there it's not like the money come back with them it's up there Go ahead, Reverend T. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm telling you, it, it's it's angry is not not just the only word to to coin for this moment for this this situation. 
is it's beyond it. It's beyond it because they're spending, they have a budget of 90 million, billion, I'm sorry, billion, 90 billion was spent in 2020 to warehouse people. And we're okay with it. 90 billion. And we don't want to follow the money. We don't want to do our checks and balances to see where the dollars are going. And, and it's time. It's time for us to show the ugliness that it is. Stop pacifying this situation. Stop acting like it doesn't exist. Stop acting as if no one is hurting and our communities are hurting. People are hurting. Again, people are hurting. And we're not responding. We've become laxed because it hasn't hit us individually, all of us, but it is hitting some of us. And when you look at our community and, and the percentage of African-Americans for, what is it, 40% are incarcerated? Did I get that right? And we're only 14% in the U.S.? Come on. We're wasting money. We're wasting money. What we what we need to show is that they have not done their due diligence. Mm -hmm. When you don't economically do your due diligence, you're fired. Mm -hmm. And your company usually goes under. But why isn't it go, going under? And like they have been saying, because it is benefiting a few people. Yeah, it's big business. It's big business for them. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and take action. We definitely need to wake up. And I think like that's why we're here mm -hmm. on this podcast, because we need people to know we need help. We have three hundred and forty thousand and forty seven signatures that we need to get this on the ballot shooting for 500,000 and we have probably a little less than two months to get this done. So we need everybody and their yes. grandmother yes. to get a petition, to get a few petitions, mm -hmm. to show up to different uh, uh, rallies or, or whatever may be going on and get folks registered to vote if they're not registered to vote and get their signature on that petition. Mm -hmm. That's how mm -hmm. that, that's how we're going to be able to do it. It's going to have to be all hands on deck. Yeah, we need to share this podcast as much as we can, because we need people to know how to do what it is that we need them to do. This mm -hmm. is not about talk. This is not about a, a desire. Mm -hmm. I can wish and, and pray for, you know, for the best for everybody. But it's actual signatures that need to go on a piece of paper that we can present to the board of canvassers and said, here, there is uh, over 500,000 people that agree with us that this needs to be changed. And it's a shame. It is a shame that we have to go to a ballot initiative to get this done. Our lawmakers mm -hmm. up in Lansing should be doing this. But right. Ken will tell you every single year they talk about relief of good time and making, you know, making it so that we 
put systems in place that will give early release to people that deserve that have you know deserve to be early released to earn their good time. But that's not what's happening. Right. 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 Even with the COVID, you know, um, it was you. It seemed like they were. That would have been a good time to even initiate it then, because we know that these prisons are over uh, saturated with people. There's no social distancing. It's already you can catch anything anyway. So COVID and Gerard not only had Crohn's disease which compromises his immune system, mm -hmm. he ended up getting COVID as well. Mm -hmm. And all he was doing was bouncing them back and forth around in circles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there we need a plan. Mm -hmm. And good time, again, makes good sense. Go ahead, Kimberly Woodson. Yes, I just want y'all to know that I feel like we need to call our lawmakers. Every year they have introduced some kind of good time Bill, whether it was in the Senate or the House, and it has went nowhere. Each year, they give our residents inside the MDOC this hope that they fall down on each year to the point where I have people calling me saying, Kim, when they actually do pass it, let me know. Please make sure you be the one to announce it so we believe it. And I constantly say, yes, there is something on the floor, but it's obvious they are not brave enough to make the decision. So they should ask their voters who they believe and trusted to elect them in. They should ask them to make the decision. How about this? Just agree. To, matter of fact, how about I'm going to call y'all out. Let, go online, be live, sign the petition yourself. Say so this is how I support it because it's obvious I can't make a decision here in Lansing. So as my hometown in my home state or whatever county you in, I'm signing this petition so that the voters of this county who elected me in this seat can make that decision as well. You trust them. They, elect, they elected you. What's the problem? Let them make this decision as well. Exactly. You know, I, I, um, I also believe, you know, like this morning I was going to the grocery store and people, there was a man out there getting signatures, you know, um, just at the grocery store for something else that, I mean, it was, I can't even remember what it was because it wasn't what one of the things that I, <laughs> that I'm on, but it was, it was for uh, more monies to go into a, a fund that can help students with college, you know. And uh, yeah, that, that sounded good and everything. And I'm not downing that. I'm just saying that this initiative right here, I am making a personal request that everybody who is connected with me go to the website, sign the ballot. And if you want to do something extra, contact your lawmaker, contact your lawmaker. And I'm going for the I hope somebody joins me for the next five days. I'm going to be posting just this because it's that important. Yeah, that's excellent. But you cannot actually go to the website and sign the petition. Mm -hmm. you, you have to physically sign the petition. 
there you cannot sign online. What you can do online is you can sign up to schedule a time to come in at one of the various um, signing points that we have uh, to sign the petition. So like okay, in- so so I can get one of those signature pages then, yeah, and stand outside Kroger, right? Well, we need some walkers, y'all. We know how to do this. We've done it. My mother used to do it, and it, you you go out and you set it. You you commit to so many signatures. Make yeah. a commitment. Right. Mm-hmm. T- tomorrow I will be at four four zero five Wesson. I will be there from ten thirty until two o'clock. That's four four zero five Wesson. Uh, 48210. Come in, sign, sign, sign a petition and take some petitions. I have boxes of petitions. I'd be more than happy uh, to give out some of those petitions to sign. One of the groups that we're working with, Films for Dems, they came in, they took a thousand petitions last week and she called me up this week and she said, Elder, she said, I need another box of petitions. That's the kind of movement that yeah. we need because we need to make sure that the people know that we're serious from the lawmakers all the way up to the governor. They need to know that we are really, really serious. It's time out for everybody asking us to come out and to vote for their agenda. Now it's time for them to come out and vote for our agenda and criminal justice reform is top on our agenda. Yes. Well, I'll see you tomorrow then. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. We got to do this. You said the address again is 4405 Wesson, and that's in Detroit, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I want... Uh, I also want to let them know, because I won't be with Elder tomorrow, because I have, you know, just Leadership USA training, because I'm trying to get better at what I do, so I can be a well-rounded organizer. However, I will be at Hash Bash in Ann Arbor on the 2nd. And on the 3rd, I will be in Pontiac with Tommy Kilpatrick of all people who have absolutely jumped on board of this ballot initiative. I guess he realized since he benefited from good time and early release, that it would be nice to support us. I really appreciate my brother in the struggle. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate him using his platform to help the residents in Michigan Department of Corrections, even though he didn't stay there that long. I really appreciate that. And a special shout out to Kwame. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. We probably should shout out Richard Worshi too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. White boy, Rick. Oh, no. Because yeah. he didn't got on board with us too because. Yes. Elder, yeah. well, you know, we can do a little shout out real quick. You know, you can shout some people out because they're probably forgetting. And I don't want to offend none of my people because. I love, love the fact that this is a bipartisan situation. Yes. It doesn't matter whether we Republican, Black, White, Chinese. Mm-hmm. The fact mm-hmm. of the matter is that we re- believe in redemption. Ooh, power. Yes. Yes. I, can't, I can't not bring God into this. I'm sorry. I've been trying to hold my peace because I don't want to be disrespectful to nobody, but the Lord is the reason why I'm standing here because y'all, like, Jay asked me to share a little bit, and I was trying not to go there 
Like, yes, I was at Heron Valley on January the 16th because my women in there are being raped, because my women in there are being mistreated. They are being warehoused. And I broke a promise to myself because on May the 3rd, 2017, my oldest sister, whose birthday happens to be January the 16th, came and picked me up after serving what they wanted me to have a natural life sentence as a youth. But God. She picked me up. She, I promised to never step full on that soil. I broke that promise on her birthday, in her memory, in honor of those women that were being mistreated because my sister died in domestic violence. And I had to break that promise to myself because I will not let that women inside be. It's not even domestic violence. I don't even know what you kind of call that abusive behavior of staff over subjects. I don't understand. They can't win no kind of way. So this kind of thing has got to stop. But I'm going to talk about the abuse of that prison later. What I need everybody to know that it's complicated. It's problems on top of problems on top of problems and MDOC. And this is a small bite of an elephant. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But I believe that this is the fair bite that we all can take that is not biased to anyone. If you have the ability to want to change yourself, mm -hmm. you can do these programs and work towards the initiative. Nobody is saying, do this, do that, do that. They're saying, this option is yours, whereas they did not have the option beforehand. You understand? They didn't have that hope. We trying to give them a sensitive. I would rather for somebody to do 10 flat years incarcerated and have worked a program every year and come out and be my neighbor than someone that has sat in segregation for nine and a half of those years and they pushing them out because they scared of them because they can't do nothing else with them. And please believe the Michigan Department of Correction do push those people out on you too. Because they get to the point where no matter where they send them, no matter what prison they be in, nobody else wants to take them. And they say, well, we're going to send them back into society. And those be the ones that we hear about on the five o'clock news. You don't hear about me on the news. You don't hear about how I can break a promise and get to Huron Valley and shout it out and say, no, let my people go. And you treat them fairly if you're going to hold them. You don't hear about those good things on the news. You don't hear about all the other juvenile lifers that come out here. And I have juveniles that feed the needy every week come hell or how water. They don't care if it's raining. They don't care if it's a threat of tornadoes. If somebody is hungry, they're going to be out there trying to feed them. I have returning citizens that they don't care how you talk about them, what you're going to do, if they feel like it's the right thing for others, not themselves, other people. They going to do it. Mm -hmm. I've seen my returning citizens give up a job to go be there for somebody else. We the time of dedicated people. And if you give us the tools we need to heal, we can be wonderful healers when we come home. Mm -hmm. My only heart's desire and everybody that meets me in person will tell you the truth. I'm the same as I am right now as I am in person. My only heart desire is to heal what was broken. I may not have broken, but I played a part some kind of way in this system. And now I want to fix it. Not because I was a victim, 
because I was a survivor. Yes. Yes, Kim. <sighs> and there's so many more that are locked away that are like, that are like Kim. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're doing this. You know, as I we begin to put strategy together and to, to think about how we want to talk about this, one of the things that came up was redemption. And the fact that our system is punitive yeah. and it doesn't hold space for redemption. It doesn't encourage people, you know, um, around being able to change. That's the thing to me that, that needs to change. And that's what I believe that this bill will do. Like she said, it will give them hope. Without hope, people just die. On April the 3rd, April 3rd, all over the state of Michigan, different churches will be preaching a message out of Isaiah 61 and 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has sent me to set the captives free. Mm -hmm. So we will be preaching that message all over the state of Michigan in Pontiac, New Bethel Missionary Baptist Church under the guidance of uh, Pastor Keon Payton. He will be hosting... Um, Reverend Kwame Malik Kilpatrick, also Alice Johnson, the, the lady that was free, that was given clemency by the former president. She will also be there to tell her story and there will be others there to tell their story. And all over the city of Detroit, there will be churches that will be opening up, some, some for the first time, just to have Redemption Sunday. So Sunday, April the 3rd is Redemption Sunday. Monday, April the 4th is Mercy Monday, 12 o'clock noon. If you have a church to go to, we'll have churches for you to go to. Let me say it like that. 12 o'clock noon, let's pray. And let's pray for our brothers and sisters that are being held captive, that, that God will set them free. And pray for the wicked lawmakers too, that God would change their hearts. You can go on that website and you will see information about that too as well. Right, that week, that whole week is the week of empathy, right? That the whole week. month is Second Chance Month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw um, a statement that uh, Paula White made um, a little bit ago, and then I want to read what uh, Keith in it. But Paula said that this good time should be a question for the candidates that's running for Congress. We know we have a lot of candidates that's running right now, um, the 13th district, I think, 12, that's Rashida, all over the state. And this is a good uh, thing to approach them with to see where they are with it. I mean, if you for the people, I think that good times should be on your, um, on your list of things to... Um... Well, with the First Step Act, Actually, we brought good time back into the federal prison. It was mm -hmm. there, but the federal bureau of prisons act like they didn't understand how to implement the time. So with the First Step Act, it actually forced them to put in place a system that good time um, would be allowed. Now, Rashida and the others that are running for the 13th and the 14th congressional district, they can't make change in state law. Mm -hmm. So the people that we have to pay attention to is the people that are running on the state level. 
And we also have to begin to have conversations with our governor. Yeah. Our governor should be at the front of this. Our governor should be at the front of this. The, the uh, Heidi Washington, she should be at the front of this because uh, attorney Mack talked about the fact that we were endangering prison guards lives too, as well. See COVID couldn't have got into the prison without the prison prison guards bringing it in. Exactly. And most of the most of the prison guards, they were not taking the vaccination. So they were actually pro pronouncing another death sentence on people that may not have passed away. And there was an epidemic in the in, in, in the prison system. And part of that is why Kim Nam, you know, of course, was up there uh protesting. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, Gerard, I remember clearly like it was yesterday. He called me on that Sunday, uh, it was March the 9th, and he said, my people are getting sick in here, and I think that's it's COVID. And it was like the next, I contacted the ombudsman, and I was telling him about it, and he said, no, it's not COVID in the state of Michigan. And that next day, the governor came out and said it was COVID in the state of Michigan. And at that time, they wasn't doing anything, but people were sick. They wasn't announcing it or anything. It took probably April before they started really talking about it inside the Michigan Department of Correction. A whole month of people being sick and just spreading amongst each other because they they didn't care, as far as I was concerned. They didn't care. Okay. And so we have to care. It's our duty. That's why we are here. Um, Keith Bennett wrote, along with the third um, circuit court, as well as the 36th district, we designed and were able to get funded Michigan's first and only community-based prison diversity model. Importantly, Detroit-based state representatives worked their tails off to get folks on the other side of this aisle to help force the state to fund the project model. This uh, was after I met with the former Governor Snyder and told him we could help the state save money, and he asked me for a proposal. The proposal's bottom line, we, I can say. And um, the, uh, Charity said, yes, Gretchen and Heidi needs to be addressed, um, how we can, uh, how we can do that though. Um, she's talking about um, the governor getting on board with the good time. Well, she ran on reform. She ran on reform. So you're right. She should be on board with it. Go ahead, Reverend Tia. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say that we, we have to be mindful about what the actions of politicians are. What are they actually doing? Yes, elections are coming up. Yes, we've got we've to talk to these people. They need to get on board. They need to know what's going on. They already do know. They need to passionately take action towards it. What are they doing to, to say that I'm for this? And we've got to stop giving excuses for when they don't. Mm -hmm. You know, and stop expecting. It's like, why are we expecting change through the same ones? If they haven't done it, if they haven't done it now, and I was there at at the um, at Huron Valley, I was there and heard Kim's story, and and it's not just Kim's story. I heard Kim's reality. Mm 
See, a lot of times people just listening to stories. This, this is for real. Mm-hmm. And sad to say, but Huron Valley had the highest, what did they have, 80% of the cases? It was some ridiculous number of COVID cases in the state. Out of all the, the facilities, they had the most cases. And, and people didn't want to respond in the first year. And they have this written in the first year of COVID, during COVID. Michigan released fewer prisoners than any other time. In the first year. And that tells you where the, the concern is. Now, let me tell you something. I know when we were out there walking and marching, I think it was, what, less than two weeks later, they came out to the prison to do a cleanup, painting walls and stuff. And and what see, what people don't understand is they, what you hear, the narratives that we hear in society has been twisted, rewritten, so that it fits everybody, so that it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. But when I did a research and saw what was going on at Huron. And when I heard the term that of forced pregnancy, they didn't want to call it rape. They didn't want to call it rape that this woman has gotten pregnant in the prison. They didn't want to call it rape. They called it forced pregnancy. How you get pregnant in prison? And then want to call it forced pregnancy. And then the perpetrator is not held accountable. I think it was last week. Somebody said it. I wrote it down. I got to go back and see who it was. They said when the system has become the criminal. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're talking about. And this is why we are here. And this this time now, it's it's up. I believe, God, that tomorrow we're going to have a flood of people on Wesson and Kim. You're going to be out in Ann Arbor what day? Um, On the 2nd at Hash Bash. And on the 3rd, I will be in Pontiac at Pastor Keon's church. You okay, let me know what time you're coming to. What time you're going to be out in Ann Arbor? I'm going to be there all day from 9 until 4. Okay. Yes, I will be there. Look for me in my Michigan Liberation. You see, Elder, can you please show them my um our tag over your shoulder, please? <laughs> show them the tag. There you go. I have on a t-shirt that has that on. Look for me, and hopefully you will see a, a lots of other volunteers with the good time. I will. I will. I'll be looking for it. It's not our petition. Please do not be fooled by those who are our enemies who are trying to knock down because just like we have saints that want to give people redemptive qualities, we have those who want to keep their hands in somebody's pocket and they don't care about our people. Can I say something, J-Love? Yeah, any time, Attorney Hickelman. You know, along that line, you know, in in 2006, the people of the state of Michigan placed an initiative for the public vote to eliminate affirmative action in public education. 
And I cannot tell you in the Ann Arbor area how many black folk came up to me and said, you know what? A person came up to me with a petition and they said it is like a civil rights initiative. I think that was the satanic wording of it, a civil rights initiative. And rather than reading what they were signing, they went along with the spiel of, well, this is to keep everything fair in the state of Michigan, you know, and it will stop uh, like, you know, discrimination against black people and stuff like that. You know, now, now remember now, these are, these are black people talking to black people, all right? And it's a civil rights initiative. You need to sign it. Well, what they were actually signing was signatures to put an initiative to end affirmative action in public education, all right? That's what they were actually signing. So when I hear the sister talk about there are people out there that are enemies, they certainly are. And another thing, in terms of that initiative that, that, was, that was passed by the people of the state of Michigan, if my memory serves me right, Jennifer Granholm was elected uh, governor in, in, 2000, in 2006 because it was four-year terms from 2006 to 10 and then 10 to 14 um and then it was it then it was snyder from 14 to okay i'm i may have my my number somewhat off but, but but what i'm saying is is that for that initiative to pass it wasn't just republicans voting to end affirmative action that's what i'm saying okay mm -hmm. uh i think debbie stabenow got elected re-elected then so my question's always been, how is it that Jennifer Granholm or Debbie Stabenow got elected with a strong woman's democratic movement and affirmative actions eliminated? That shows me that some of the people who voted for Debbie Stabenow or Jennifer Granholm, whatever, they voted for them, but voted against us. You see, they voted against us. And another thing, in that same election cycle, they had a, an initiative to save doves. There's a, a crazy man, a musician named Ted Nugent from Michigan, right? A right-wing uh, Republican hate monger, if I ever saw one. But he, he's, a, he's a musician. He's a famous musician, right? And he and his people wanted to have the ability to shoot doves, like morning doves, all right? Well, you go back and tell me if I'm wrong. The people of the state of Michigan voted and said, we got to save them doves. Oh, no, 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 Ted Nugent. So, so what did that election in 2016 at 2006 tell us. It told us that, and I'm sorry, I gotta be honest, we are massed together together for a quote unquote progressive white woman to be elected. We'll mass together together to save the doves from being massacred, but we will throw black and brown indigenous people under the bus saying we want to eliminate affirmative action for public education. That's exactly what we did. Wow. We got to save ourselves. That's all I want to say. We cannot wait. We are not waiting for somebody to come and rescue us. Mm -hmm. We have power within us. We have the power within us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency is of God. We got power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. There is power. Mm -hmm. 
that we have. And when we come together, there's collective action. And you can't stop this movement. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. Okay, I couldn't hold that no more. Turning back. <laughs> I don't know why you was holding it in the first place. <laughs> the power is the people. The people is the power. And we have to take our power back. You know, I know we've been beaten and abused and um, the media has uh, programmed us to believe in all these crazy narratives, but we have to, like you said, Reverend Tia, save ourselves. It is our, we, us, we have to save ourselves. We can't keep waiting for somebody to save us because they are not coming. They are not coming. They're too busy making the money. They, they like the money that they're making off your back. They don't care, uh, white, black, or whatever. They don't care as long as somebody is making that money and, and, and they're getting free labor. That's all they care about. So we have to sell, save ourselves. That's why we have so many wrongful convictions. That's why we have so many people. Uh, there's no accountability. Um, the the uh, Devontae Sanford, he just won a verdict the other day. 7.5 million and people were like yeah you finally received justice he received a verdict of judgment um financially but he did he receive justice has anybody taken accountability for what happened to that kid 14 years old we need people to start taking accountability and that will only happen when we take our power back when we get activated when we stand up <laughs> that's why we're here on turning a moment into a movement to stand up we we're motivating <laughs> you you know to stand up for yourself because once we come together nothing can stop us and you know what jay people have gotten used to having a history of the perpetrators not being accountable. We've, we've been, we've had this, it's, it's happened all through the decades, all through the centuries. And then they want to come back years later and say, oh, but that person was a good person. They killed him, but he was a good person. He meant, he meant good. And then they want to idolize the person that they killed. Mm -hmm. And then we're okay with it because finally they see the light and they're idolizing. No, mm -hmm. no. And, and when you say, well, they were wrong. They were wrong. And okay, it didn't really happen. And we're sorry that that happened. And so now we're going to change the verdict. But the person is no longer here. That is not okay. That's not okay with me. What are you doing now? What are you doing today? We keep repeating because we're waiting. We wait for them to see the light and then they see the light or so they say they see the light, 
in order to calm us, in order to pacify us. And then we're okay because they got a glimpse. No, no. We are talking about ethical leadership here. Mm-hmm. And people are in leadership and they are not using any type of ethical guidelines. They are using the nonsense that is already entrenched in their brains that they have grown up with. They are using practices that are inhumane. And when we really look at it, I had had a person tell me, they came up to me and said, well, Tia, it's just a business. And I was outraged. It's just a, it's just a, so if it's business, it's okay. Are we there? Is that where we are? If it's a business, is that where you are today? Long as it's business, long as money is coming in. That's not where I am. It's still wrong. I don't care what, how much money's behind it, it's wrong. Right. And it's unethical. J-Love? Yes, attorney, come in. Yeah, I wanted to add some clarification to what I said because I was speaking off the top of my memory. But I wanted to clarify what I was talking about 2006 for the record here. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the lawyer in me. Okay. 2006, there were five ballot proposals for the people. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. three of them passed. Okay. And two of them didn't pass. Okay. Let me, let me tell you what we, the people in the state of Michigan decided on a ballot proposal. One proposal, number one, to separate DNR funds from the general fund. In other words, DNR department of natural resources. So we can keep the uh, the trees and the and the streams, all wonderful things, you know, and 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 have a good supply of deer for hunters, okay, in the fall, you know, and those sorts of things. So we approve that to keep that fund separate, so we could always have those things that people want to do to to appease themselves. Like I said, hunting and all these sort of things. Okay, now we approve that. Let me tell you what else we approved. We approved the elimination of affirmative action in public education. That's what we approved. Let me tell you what 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 we did not approve. We did not approve of Ted Nugent and them being able to hunt doves. We told Ted Nugent, "No, y'all can't do it." Let me tell you what we did approve. Okay, <laughs> we approved that certain money could not be used in terms of eminent domain for developers. In other words, to 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 try and save the land from 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 being ravished by by developers and what we did not approve is having separate funds to ensure that schools would get mandatory funding every year so what i'm trying to say is we eliminated affirmative action we saved the doves we decided that more uh, deer and geese and ducks ought to be out there for for hunting we decided not enough we decided there's too much money going to schools already and we decided the land needs to be uh, protected from from developers so those are the priorities that we in 2006 established okay and so next time you see a dove okay you ought to be able to feel good in your heart because them doves can't be harmed okay <laughs> them doves can't be hard the next time you see a duck or a deer running across the street you ought to be glad in your heart because they really free in the state of Michigan. 
But when you see a black man or a black woman coming in there that can't get into the University of Michigan, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a proud recipient of affirmative action to get into the U of M. I gladly say I'm a recipient of affirmative action, all right? Because like Al Sharpton said, affirmative action did not write my resume, but it made somebody read it. So, you know, um, so that's what we, we have done in, in the state of Michigan. And so I just want to let you know, you know, I love you and I'm in this fight together, but we have a lot to work on, you know, and part of the problem is sometimes it's us, you know, um, and, and what we let go by. Yeah. And so when, um, Reverend Tia, you said something about let them see the light. We need, we don't need them to see the light. We have to see the light. It's on us. We have to take our power back. We have to get activated and involved because the more of us are involved, the more that will activate them to move. So Kim, go ahead. Yeah, I had a young man when I was out getting signatures one particular day a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, I would sign that mama, but I ain't a registered voter. And this was a young man. I looked at him, an African-American. I said, you ain't know who? He said, oh, I don't vote. I ain't for that mess. I was like, young man. He was like, I don't care what you got to say. And, I his, and then I said, how old are you? And he was like 22. And I said, mm -hmm. young man, I spent 29 years in prison. Mm -hmm. And I did not vote until I was off parole. And that's only because I didn't know that I had the option to vote as mm -hmm. soon as I got out, even while I was in the county jail, if I had not been found guilty. That's mm -hmm. how much power the vote is, that they have to allow incarcerated individuals access to the ballot. They don't mm -hmm. share that information with everybody, but that's that power. And if it's that powerful that they are going out of their way to find ways to stop us from voting, why would you in good conscience decide on your own? You ain't going to exercise your right. He was mm -hmm. like, it don't matter. It don't matter what we say. I say they want us to believe that. But if enough of us keep speaking our voice, I'm not going to say it's going to turn and change overnight. The very first election you, you are participating in, it's going to just magically just change. That's not what's going to happen, young man. But if we keep voicing our opinion on issues that matter to us as a people, then they will hear us. And the more we voice that opinion, the more they will hear us. And the louder we get and the more mass that we have in a nonviolent approach, the more they will have to say, whoa. Because when we put a mirror to their face and show their ignorance or how they hatred towards us just because of the color of our skin, because it's still happening today, young man, please do not forget that and he just said he just ended up just looking at me like wow and i'm praying that he went to the website and went and registered because i was like hey we have made it all easy for everyone all you got to do is go to goodtimeinitiative.org hit register to vote follow the that link it's gonna hook you right on up then you go hit a website where is the nearest signing location? Or if you want to pump petitions, holler at me. But I'm praying that that young black man with all that power and that all the young men that I'm talking to that can hear me right now, I want you to recognize your power. I want you to step into your kingdomship and speak your voice as a race. And it matters. Please, our ancestors died for you to be able to 
pick a selection in a ballot. Take that choice. Yeah. Elder Leslie. I mean, what do you say um, after that? We talked about power, but I think we got to be talking about collective power because we know that power is the ability to act. Power, the source of power is organized people and organized money. So if we want to show up in this space, in the electoral space powerfully, then we're going to have to organize an awful lot of people. And we're going to have to make sure that we put people in office that's willing to have the tough and crucial conversations that are necessary because we can send people up to Lansing. But if they are lone wolves or in, on an island by themselves and they're not willing to go across the aisle or to build power with other lawmakers, we will never get anything done. And that's what's happening, mm -hmm. right? That's why that young man don't want to vote because he's looking at what we're doing and he doesn't see the manifested results of our vote. But then who are we putting into office, yeah. right? Who are we? I mean, obviously, maybe we're not putting all of the right. There are some good people, but there's not enough good people. There are some good people, but not enough good people. And local elections affect us, our daily mm -hmm. lives. Statewide elections affect us, our yeah. daily lives. And this is something that will affect our daily lives. So we have to stop walking around like we're powerless. But we we need to link up with other people that's having the same types of conversations uh, that we're having, and we need to begin to build together and not apart. We need to understand what we want and what we don't want. We need to understand that if you're not going to give us what we want, then guess what? We're going to have a conversation with you, and you're not going to like the conversation that we're mm -hmm. getting ready to have. Because I'm not one that's going to sit up here and just make niceties with you. I'm not that person because at the end of the day, I'm not running for any state seat. I'm not running for any council seat. So I could care less about how you feel about me. I'm telling you, all my elected officials, this is what we need to make our communities whole. Now, yeah. if that's not what you can do, you got one job. And if that's not what you can do, then we getting ready to go and identify somebody that can do that. Because mm -hmm. anybody that's listening to this broadcast, you could be the next person that could actually do that. Come on to us. Come come on to Michigan Live. Come on to Michigan uh, United. Let us teach you how to go and get that office. And then let us work together. That's called co-governing. How yes. is it that I'm going to elect you and then I want to talk to you and you can't talk to me for three and a half years? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Now, that's my preach. I know Reverend Tia Pre, but that's my preach right there. Are you kidding me? I got a nephew right now, right now, a godson right now who has tumors in his brain. He can't do anything to anybody, nobody, and shouldn't be in prison, but he is. Yes, I'm praying about it. Yes, I've cried about it, but I'm also working on it. Yes. I got some real skin in the game. Just like Jay, Jay Love, she had real skin in the game. This is political healing right here. This is how we get our healing. We sitting up here in democratic cities, democratic cities, democratic mayor, democratic city council, but have our conditions in this city changed? We got a democratic governor 
Has your life gotten any better? So I don't have nothing to lose. My people's liberation is not for sale. That's my that's my mantra right there. My people's liberation is not for sale. Justice is like if justice is, is the blood that runs through my body. Mm. And that's what we got to have. We got it. This is an injustice. To sit people down in prisons, some of them haven't killed anybody and want to send them away for a hundred years. That's not justice. And you sit up here and you create a system where the same people that we pay, the prosecutor, they set up the offices of the uh, public defender. So the person that's going to prosecute you is also going to be the person that's going to set up representation to try to get you off. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard before in my life. And I don't even understand why we're still going for that. That's why these people are in jail now. That's why we have to do what it is that we're doing now with good time. It's not right. Oh, yes. I I said it to, I think it was Trisha the other day. I said, how do you have a CIU? In the prosecutor's office. <laughs> what is that? It, that has to be a separate entity. Because you have to be able to have somebody to go in there with no skin in the game. No alliances with the prosecutor, the police, none of that. You need a group that's powerful that can look at these cases with unbiased eyes. Without the eyes on the back of their necks saying, you know, well, maybe not. It's all, I, I said it. I'm sorry, you guys. I just don't think that's um, the proper way of doing things. And we have to stand up about it. We can't just keep, you know, taking these small one or two exonerations or these picks and trues and, and all this stuff. Even the over-sentencing, the things that Attorney Hugo Mack talks about all the time. It's on us. On us, um, do uh, okay, you guys. So, good time makes good sense. I have the scrolling down at the bottom of the screen. You can go to the website. Uh, what's all on the website, Kim? You can register to vote on the website. You can find a signing location on this website. You can also sign up to be a volunteer signature gatherer. We have um, training every week. You can go on the website to sign up for that as well. You can also sign up to be a fabulous location where we will advertise your location on our website until your hours when you will be available at your fabulous location for people to come through just like elder will be at 4405 wesson tomorrow y'all come through pick up them petitions she will have plenty there for y'all to sign please drop a donation because like y'all know we need donations for us to because the people that's against us they fighting. And if you don't want to bring cash money, go on that website, get a mug, get a hoodie, get a t-shirt, whatever you can do to throw your love. We also have monthly love donations. If you want to contribute that way as well, please, everybody, this is not about me. This is about the over 
33,000 residents of Michigan Department of Corrections. I don't care what they went to prison for. I want them to be in there and have an opportunity to heal the reason that made them go in there in the first place. Something was in, broken inside and they need to be able to have the tools to go deep inside and work on that. Get to the core. I don't want nobody returning from prison that hasn't worked on the root of why they went. I'm begging y'all to get them real help because nobody wants to reoffend. Nobody wants to go back to prison. But we need help. And I'm asking y'all to do the humane thing. If it's a God in you anywhere, if you can love a dove, you can love them. Yes. If you can that's right. That's right. And you can make sure that they got clean water in the inside of Michigan Department of Corrections. That's right. All I'm saying is today I'm holding a mirror to you as a returning citizen. I paid my debt to society. And I'm giving back with everything in me. And I know I'm not special by any means to stretch of the imagination because I know the ones I left. And I promise you, it's half of them in there that can come out and be twice as good as me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give them an opportunity to be great. Trump ran and said, let's make America great again. I'm saying, let's give our people their first chance because some of them in there never had an opportunity to get a good start. Hugo said they already eliminate what was giving us an edge at proper education. Come on, y'all. We can do better than this. What kind of world do we want to live for our grandchildren? We really do have the power to make things better for our great friend. The time is now. It's now, right now. They need your help right now, not tomorrow. They need your love and support right now. Give them hope right now. And I ain't the preacher on that, so I'm going to pass it over to Prep and Look, (laughs) you know what? I just just, want to say this. I might get some bumper stickers that say that. If you can love a dove, love them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> love them people. I like that, sister. If you can love a dove, that's right. Because in 2006, you showed a whole bunch of love for them doves. whole bunch of love for them doves, you know? And if you can love a dove, you can love them people within the MDOC. You sure can. I like that. I'm incorporate that. I like that. I know. That's I like right. That. Feel free, everybody. You can hashtag it, make it go live. Make sure you put it on Twitter, Twitter, or whatever we have on the Michigan uh, Ballot Initiative, Facebook, everything. Make that go virtual, y'all. If you can love a dub, you should love them. Can we say it? Hey, just sign a petition for me, babies. That's all I'm saying. Thank y'all. Let's make it go viral. Amen. That's right. I like that. Hey. Hey man, I you know what I'm I'm telling you this this is so good and so rich, uh, and so many. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the broadcast again because I got so much out of it. And and Elder Leslie, when she said justice is the blood running through my veins, mm. I, I wrote that down. And you know I'm telling you, 
um, I'm so inspired. And I, I think what, you know, what Kimberly was saying, we got to give our people a new vision. Because when you have a vision, you, you can run with it. You know, without the vision, the people perish. So if we got mm -hmm. something to look at, we got to give people a new vision. Oh, I, I don't I don't expect my grandchildren to have to tense up and get nervous and sweaty because a cop car comes behind you. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing something different. Can we take a moment just to see something new, something different, collective action in the community from people who are supposed to be serving the community? They call them civil servants, y'all. They're supposed to be serving. Can you see it? Can you feel it? I can see and feel civil servants. I don't know where they all at, but I believe they're there. And I believe it's going to happen. And I thank you, Jay. I thank you for the platform. I want to thank everybody here who's on the forefront. And I thank you, Kim, because that time was not in vain. I thank you because we can now move forward because you've given us hope and vision as you have demonstrated restoration. <laughs> and we don't have to keep hurting like we do. Can we envision our community not hurting anymore? That's a big vision, but I'm going to hold it. Right. I'm going to certainly hold on to it. Thank you, Jay. Love y'all. Thank you, Reverend Tia. I put the hashtag on there. If you can love with us, <laughs> you can love them at MDOC. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. All right, yes. Kim, way to go. <laughs> we, I'm going to put that on everything, Kim. Amen. That's right. <laughs> We're going to turn that into a movement, too. Amen. Just saying. That's, right. That's what we do here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I want to thank you guys for um, coming on today. Um, we discussed the good time. What is good time? System of credits. Go to the website. It's scrolling on the bottom of the screen. Um, to learn more about the Gerard wrongful conviction story. Go to www.change.org slash justice for Gerard. Please sign and share the petition. And on next week, we're going to be talking about Black Voters Matter with um, Gwendolyn Winston. It's the awesome Gwendolyn Winston. She's going to be on here, and we're really going to get into that. We, um, we, we hit on the point so many times today that our vote matter, especially locally. Our local elections matter to us. This is how we live and we have to take it seriously. Kim mentioned it earlier that they wouldn't try to um, take away our vote if it wasn't important. So we must, must um, um, exercise our right to vote and join us next week at Friday, April 1st at 6 p.m. And we will be back I thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate you and see you next Friday. Turning a moment into a movie. <laughs>